going on, everyone? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of Underdog and the Underdog Fantasy family. And if you want to go check out Underdog Fantasy, you can go do so on your iPhone, on your smartphone, on your computer. Just go and click the wrong background. Uh, but you go and check out over Underdog Fantasy, use code TRIPLE. You'll be able to get a 100% deposit match up to $100. That goes for any sport that they offer over there. Again, fantasy baseball drafts during the offseason. You can do fantasy basketball. You can do fantasy football. ton of great stuff over at Underdog Fantasy. Make sure you check them out. Back with you guys tonight. Uh, another few week break here, but we are here. We got a little cheesecake in the house tonight. And uh, cheesecake, I got to say, man, the topic I think is going to be very relevant to a lot of people that have been creeping looking at drafts. We've got 18 done so far on the NFBC. These hitters we're talking about tonight are really interesting. Yeah, they are really interesting. I'm doing my first draft right now. I couldn't hold off any longer. Oh, you dog you. Oh, um, you know, you start to see you got you got a little bit of winnings left in your NFBC that they don't give you money. You say, hey, you got an account here. And you're like, well, I could just, <laughs> just spend from my account. That's easy, right? What and type of draft did you do? I did an NFBC 50. It's a 12-team, 50-round uh, draft and hold. And uh, it's been so, it's been a lot of fun. It's getting me back into the back into the the player prep. Uh, of course, doing the shows like tonight, it's getting me back into the player prep, getting me ready for uh, for our position previews coming up in a month. That's right. It's already around the corner. The new year means we'll be really getting into the next season grind. But we're still here, kind of reviewing things. And I couldn't think of anybody better here, especially someone that knows a lot of the prospects. Uh, of course, you, you're you on YouTube, you see the guy. But joining the podcast tonight, we welcome in a man that is the only farm I like to be around these days. He brings you prospect evaluations and rankings. He also is part of the call-up, which is the Triple Play Fantasy Prospect Show. He's also the conductor of the Jefferson Cuero and Moises Ballesteros type trains. The time traveler himself, Vinny, is in the house tonight. What's up, man? Not much. It's so interesting. Flash forward, you know, a year, and then we go back a year. These guys are like, "Oh, are they going to break camp? Oh, are they going to see the majors this year?" It's it's awesome to check back in a year later. Something's like one of the guys we're going to talk about tonight. I had no clue who he was before tonight. So, which blew my mind because to, yeah. to slip one past you is pretty difficult. So, uh, I will be interested to hear what you have to say about him because I know you dug in on him a lot after we discussed he was going to be on the rundown here. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of great guys on the, the show tonight because you guys were with us a few weeks ago. We talked about pitching with Nick Pollock, and we tonight wanted to attack the other side of the ball. We wanted to talk hitting, specifically second half hitting studs. And these could have been the guys that had hype going into the season that maybe flamed out and then caught fire at the end. These could be guys that were nobodies and then became somebodies. These are guys that could potentially be rookie of the year candidates next year or World Series heroes from this year. There's a lot of different kind of areas we hit with these guys, but what all of them have in common is they all did something in the second half that was very notable. And I felt like the first guy we had to talk about tonight, the cover boy on YouTube, the guy that really made his mark known in the MLB playoffs, we got the World Series champ, Evan Carter, who finished the year with a 306, 413, 645 triple slash had five homers, 12 RBIs, and three steals. He went across three levels overall in 2023 before he ended up getting to the major leagues. 
hit 288 across those three levels with 17 doubles, six triples, 13 homers, and 67 RBIs with 26 steals. But the other thing that's really interesting to me, he struck out 111 times, walked 81 in a combined 513 plate appearances. And my neighbor, a uh, shout out to my buddy here, uh, Matt Festa, who he calls him the full count Carter. And uh, rightfully so, you, if you watched him in the playoffs, this man was working counts. He looked like the, the exact type of hitter I would hate to pitch against. And in the World Series and throughout all the playoffs, he showed up 17 games. A 300, 417, 500 triple slash. He had a homer, six RBIs, stole three bases, did not get caught stealing. And just some extra stats for you guys. 18 hits, ranked seventh all time for a rookie in a postseason. His 10 walks were tied with Crank Council for the most ever by a rookie in a postseason. His nine doubles were most all time in a single postseason. Uh, this guy is just absolutely f- phenomenal. And Vinny, I know we talked about him a lot on the call up before. Uh, just please, for those that might not have known what Evan Carter did, please just educate us a little bit about his background here. Yeah, Evan Carter just basically showed us that any doubts of upside we had with him are out the window. Uh, we're talking about a guy that came up at the first week of September and has never cooled off all the way up to the World Series. Like, looking at some of his stats right now, like, we're talking about uh, a 10% barrel rate, 46.2% hard hit rate, an 8.5 speed rating, which I don't recall Evan Carter being this much of a speedster. It could just be short sample size to it. But a, a 180 WRC plus. There's some concerning, you know, stats, a 32% K percentage, but it's short sample size, 59% pull rate. Something to watch, but he is a left-handed hitter. But he almost gave off, like, Kyle Tucker-esque vibes when he came up. Like, this is a guy, right now, there's no way he's not the favorite to win Ale of the Rookie Year next year. He might have similar odds to what Corbin Carroll had this year. But it is going to be a tough race depending on who else joins the fold with him and Junior Camonero. But my last, I covered him on the call-up the episode he got called up and I basically called him out saying there was no upside with him and he's going to be a floor player. And then he just goes and absolutely burns my face off. So, you know, (laughs) I'll take that one with a little grain of salt, but man, Evan Carter looks like he's going to be potentially the next face of the Texas Rangers. Like he's a stud. There's not much more to say. Yeah. He's, he looked every bit in, uh, a pretty much a pro hitter. You're in the tensest environment you could have in baseball, October baseball, playoff baseball, World Series baseball. He sits there. He's just calm, man. He's just, you sit him, you see his at bats against Zach Gallon, hit multiple doubles off of him. And he just would work the count every single time. He would take, you know, pitches close to the zone, wouldn't chase, you know, uh, I know Gallon, I remember game one, I'm, I'm watching with uh, my buddy Matt, who I mentioned, and we're just watching at the bar. And he just spits on every single pitch around the strike zone and just waits for his pitch and just laces doubles. Like this guy looks like a professional hitter already. Uh, I was just blown away. And uh, Matt was like, he was saying, he's like, man, this guy's on my dynasty team. Like he's, he's showing out right now. And he's, it's like any Evan Carter dynasty manager is going to feel extremely stacked to have this guy. Or I do want to hear your thoughts in one second. I just do want to ask Vinny really quick. If you have Evan Carter in dynasty right now, 
are you trying to sell him for a king's ransom or to you are is he untouchable? It, it would depend on what you're giving up, but I would say he's pretty pretty near untouchable. Like he's a rookie, but how he approached at bats in the playoffs was he was very aggressive, but it wasn't the kind of aggressive that you get bit by. It mm-hmm. was he was calculated at the at you know in the box, and he was waiting for his pitches, taking the ones he didn't want, and he was doing damage when he got his pitch. Like. Mm-hmm. He's showing the type of awareness of a like ten year vet, and he has less than a month and a half in the majors. Like this is something you know you build off of, and he could become even better after a full season next year. Like this is a scary talent, and I think you need to hold on. The AL Rookie of the Year favorite probably for twenty twenty four. Elsie, anything you would like to add on Evan Carter? Who I know, Vinny and I've been gushing over him for about five minutes. I, you know, I was surprised. I looked at Evan Carter and, um, you know, clearly he was, as and he said, he didn't cool down his entire time in the bigs. He had a 412 Babbitt when he was in, in, in the major leagues. And that was, um, that really helped the, uh, 32% K rate helped him pull that batting average up because he only had a 77% zone contact rate, well below league average. His home run for fly ball per fly ball was incredibly high. Uh, all of these are sort of signs of a hot streak. And um, so for me, I, I don't want to pour ice cold water on, 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 on the, on the, uh, on the party, but I do want to caution that we did see an incredible hot streak there. And um, his minor league numbers did not show the strikeouts, the 32% Ks. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to set, settle in as, as a 30% K guy. He was, his walk rate's always been very good, as you said. His, uh, but, and his minor league numbers were in the 20 to 30% K rate. So I, I would, I would think that as he gets settled in, you know, clearly that 412 Babbitt's going to come down. Uh, the K's are going to come down too with that though as well. So I think that next year you might see a little bit of a settling in season before he really comes through. I, I, I don't think he's going to, I could project him for more than like 20 home runs because of that extremely high home run per fly ball. He only hit 18% fly balls last season, uh, and had like a 35% home run per fly ball rating, which is, just out of this world so like like maybe he's streaky and will give you these streaks but like i would caution to look at this well how he finished the season and say wow this is this is who we have here i think this was an incredible hot streak and i wonder over the rigor of a 162 game season how well he holds up that's my that's what i would wonder well as we mentioned you know, i'm sure we'll touch on most of the offseason nfbc adp Right now, there's been 18 drafts. He's going at ADP right now, 139. What I thought was kind of interesting is they have Wyatt Lankford going ahead of him, going around ADP 135. Would you rather have Wyatt Lankford or Evan Carter in redraft next year? I would rather have Carter right now because Lankford, uh, short sample size, he was pretty much rushed to AAA this year. I don't think he spent more than like maybe 20 games at each level. So it's kind of 
not a, not a long enough track record yet for me to be confident in Langford. I would say Langford, if we're talking about future-wise, Dynasty, he probably has more upside than Carter, uh, especially power-wise, power-speed. But the 21-year-old Evan Carter, what he did this season, should be right around where he's ranked. He's, he's done some spectacular stuff. And right now, again, ADP 139. I would not be shocked if he gets closer to touching the top 100 by the time we get closer to the season, especially if we hear positive reports going into the year. He's one of those guys, I think, that's going to shoot up draft boards uh, to maybe something more like what we saw with Jordan Walker. And uh, that's one of the advantages of drafting early is I don't think the the rest of everybody's kind of caught up with everything yet. Even though it is NFBC, which is a very competitive platform, uh, his I, I would be shocked if his ADP does not go up at some point. Uh, so we'll see with that. But somebody that's right near him at ADP, actually, within about 10 picks right after, is Zach Geloff of the Oakland Athletics. 14 homers, 42 RBIs, 14 stolen bases last season. Very solid hitter last year. I, you could, I think that was the way to describe him was solid. He didn't debut until mid-July, but after his debut, he ranked fifth among primary second basemen with a 840 OPS, minimum 300 plate appearances. And he sprayed the ball to all fields in his rookie season. If you look at his splits, it's right in line with the major league average in pull rate, in uh, in opposite field, in center field, or just uh, up the middle. Uh, so he he was spraying the ball across all fields. He maintained a 10% barrel rate, which is one of the better rates in baseball. Strikeouts potentially a concern, 27% in his rookie year. He also struggled uh, to be able to make contact in the zone consistently. That's something that we'll have to keep an eye on. He got an above average swinging strike rate, but he seems like he's a safe 2020 guy in a full season, especially in an Oakland A's lineup that lacks a lot of talent right now, LC. Is that Geloff somebody you're going to be looking towards? You know, you get to around pick 150 in your draft and he just kind of plugs a hole for you. You don't think about it too much. I think if I don't have batting average concerns, uh, I do like him for my team. I think he's a 2020 type of guy. When on the season this year, he went 26 34. If you count his AAA plus major league numbers, 14 14 in the bigs. Um, I really liked what I heard him say in an interview with Eno Saris earlier this year, where he says, you know, he's not trying to get the higher exit velocities. He's trying to maintain consistently strong exit velocities. He says, if I hit it 106 to left center, that's going out in, in every ballpark at, at the right launch angle. He's like, I'm not trying to, if I try to get to 110, you know, that might mess my swing up. I want to keep my swing good. I really liked when he said that. I thought that was a good outlook. Um, but you're right about that swinging strike rate. I think we could see a low batting average floor, uh, in the 230s, perhaps. But, um, but he could maintain that high BABAP that he maintained this year, especially because he has some good wheels. He does. And again, I, I think as long as the strikeouts are held in check, he is somebody that's going to be giving you a basically a 2020 type of year, which is very valuable in fantasy. And again, yeah, like is the batting average probably not going to be 267? His expected batting average last year was 236. Obviously inflated by a little bit of a higher BABIP. So yeah, maybe, maybe he's a 240, 250 hitter. But again, 2020 will play. And once that Z contact hopefully gets a little bit better, you can see the ball in the zone better. That's going to be a huge for him. Vinny, what are your thoughts on Zach Geloff? Well, if you guys have been listening for a while, if you listen to our uh, World Baseball Classic episode, yeah. 
I pretty much called his stat line for this year. I said he's probably going to be 15, 20 home runs, 270 hitter. 14 home runs, 267. I'll take the win on that one. But we're talking about a guy that should be viewed as like a great value Jonathan Indian, like a guy that has wheels and has good power. The best player on that team by far, which is you know not something to really brag about, <laughs> but still, like, it's a small sample size with Galoff. And I, I, even with the swinging strike concerns, like there's a, there's a world that he could easily end next year, a 275 hitter with 22 home runs and you know, 35 steals, especially when he's going to be the guy on Oakland. I, I think he's going to be one of these guys that are underrated going into drafts this year, just because he's on Oakland, but I think he's going to outplay wherever he gets drafted. Yeah, and again, I did kind of touch on the ADP right now. He is going right. I mean, we talked about, where did I have? He was in the one, yes, Evan Carter was going 139. Zach Geloff is going also 139. It's separated by decimal points at this point. So they're kind of going in in the same range, which is interesting. This part of the draft just seems like there's a lot of interesting hitters. You know, you have also Anthony Volpe here. You have obviously some guys that have more of a proven track record. Anthony Santander, we kind of know what we're getting from him. Interesting, uh, CES is in this range as well. This will be kind of, I feel like this could be a point in your draft where you could make or break your draft with some of, uh, taking shots on some of these guys. So it will be interesting to see. The next player here is someone we talked pre-show who would probably have won rookie of the year had he done this all season. But Tristan Casas really started showing things. Uh, specifically closer to the second half of the season. I want to shout out Eric Cross because he, uh, he, uh, put this stat out here and kind of saved me some of the time of researching the exact stats from this point. But July 8th to the end, to the end of the season, that's 216 plate appearances. Tristan Casas hit 319, 417, 622 with 15 home runs, a 13.9% walk rate. And a 23.6% K rate. Those are outstanding numbers from first base. Maybe the power is 15 home runs doesn't get you giddy, but a nearly 14% walk rate and under 24% strikeout rate will play. And his ranks among first basemen with 100 plus plate appearances from that point. He was tied for fourth in average, tied for fourth in OBP, second in slugging, second in WOBA, second in WRC plus. So he was one of the best first basemen pretty much the second half of the year. And the season long numbers, 24 homers, a 65 RBIs with a 263 batting average. Like he was really good last year. And I think we lost track because he was so putrid the first month of the season hitting under 200. This guy was a flat out stud at first base corner infield wherever you were playing him. And he's going to be somebody that I think is going to be a nice value at first base next season. Well, what are you thinking, Vinny? I don't know. I think when people start digging into the data as we get deeper into the offseason, I think he's probably going to be one of these guys that spike. I, it's kind of a cop-out to compare him to like Vinny Pasquantino of this year, but I think he's going to be more, uh, more valuable and more sought after. Mm-hmm. Like we're talking about a max EV of 113.2, an average EV of 91.1, a 46.2% hard hit rate. Like he barreled up baseballs towards the second half of the season and with him being such a pull lefty hitter 
in Fenway alone, like there is massive upside to that too. And, you know, if you're looking at his spray chart, he's very consistent too. Like there's not one, uh, you know, one side of the field he chooses. Like he's pretty flat around the board. Like this could be a guy that drops 30 home runs next season. And we're like, oh, wow. Why were we, you know, why were we so down on Tristan Casas last year? Like he has that kind of power and like the hit tool with it too. He's not a speedster. He's limited to first base. I would say by like February, he's probably inside of like the top 10 first basemen as we start drafting. Like this is a guy that if you're playing Dynasty right now, try to go get him now. Like before everyone starts getting drafts in, starts looking deeper and deeper into him, go get him now because this is a guy that could potentially we're talking two, three years from now, like the first baseman in fantasy baseball. Where do you think now he's ranked among first basemen in drafts? If you had to guess a number, I'd say probably anywhere, uh, probably fifteen. What do you think, Elsie? I well, I think he's, and he's about ten. You're correct. He's tenth right now. ADP just outside the top hundred. So it'll be interesting when we do our you know, position previews if he stays there because uh, the value at first base is insane. Freddie Freeman, Bryce Harper, Matt Olson, Pete Alonzo, Vlad Guerrero, the top five. But if you don't get a top five first baseman, there's Cody Bellinger, Paul Goldschmidt, Christian Walker, Spencer Steer, who right now is ranked ahead of him. I don't think that will last. And Tristan Casas. Then you have someone like Spencer Torkelson that goes right after Tristan Casas. Also, Yandy Diaz, who's been, who was as solid this year. There, there's pretty much like I would say ten to eleven ish solid first baseman this year. Uh, let me ask you guys: Would you rather have Tristan Casas or Christian Walker next year? Tristan Casas. Um. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd go with Casas. Although Walker's Walker's consistent, I, I like Casas. I, and one of the reasons why his walk rate, plus I see I, I see the power growth that Vinny was talking about. That walk rate's going to help have his run totals be good. His counting stats are going to be really good. Uh, the person who I like to do a Pepsi challenge with the two is Spencer Torkelson, uh, because I really uh, like Torkelson. That's what it's called, a Pepsi challenge. Well, no, Pepsi challenge is can you. Which one do you like better in a blind taste test? That's the Pepsi challenge. We're going to refer to player comparisons now. No, I like. I, mean, I like it. Yeah, I mean, but I, I, I think Torque versus Casas is 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 a good question because Torque had a little breakout season, and Torque actually showed better batted ball numbers. Although playing in Detroit might be the downside on him, but I, yeah. I like I like Torque. I like Torque as well, and. So I think I think Torque or Casas, I, I I think that's a nice target area for a first baseman. Mm-hmm. Also, CES going a little bit later. I'm not sure. I, I kind of like him too. There's definitely a lot of value in waiting. Yeah. I will say the one thing Casas has to make sure to improve on. It was only 49 plate appearances last year, but he hit 238 with a 61.5% hard hit rate and uh, against lefties in the second half with a 33% strikeout rate. So he is that, you know, facing lefties, he will have to get better against. That is something that you could poke a hole in his game right now. That definitely seems to be the case. So 
I would think someone of his caliber, that'll be something he'll be working on. And he's going to have the chances to play every day. I don't see him as being a platoon player. Um, I just think it's just fun to also remember the times when Bobby Dahlbeck was blocking him at first base. You remember those times? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is Bobby Dahlbeck still on the Red Sox? I don't believe so. Where is Bobby Dahlbeck? But if you're listening to the podcast right now, I want you to pause the podcast and see if you can guess where he is. Because... I have no idea where he is right now. They, they Even, put him at shortstop part of the season, didn't they? Shortstop? Didn't they play him short some shortstop this year? I thought that was maybe last, or that was the year before, I thought. Or was it? I, I think I remember that game, actually, now that you say that. Yeah, it was two years ago, I think. Um, Bobby yeah. Dahlbeck. He's still a part of the Red Sox, but they have him listed as an outfielder. That's what I just saw. Um, yeah, Red Sox outfielder. Yeah, Bobby uh, Dahlbeck. What do you think his ADP is right now? Free? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Free. Five. You want Bobby Dahlbeck, you can only you only have to spend the six hundred and seventy-eighth six hundred and seventy-eighth pick on him. That's if he makes it past training camp, so uh, he actually is ranked in the same range as Joey Votto and Joey Gallo, believe it or not. I'm actually surprised there are some major league hitters that are in his range right now. Pretty interesting. Pretty uh, wild stuff there for Bobby Dolbeck. To be in the same category as Joey Votto and uh, Joey, well, not Joey Votto, but Joey Gallo is not something to look forward to at all. Yeah, they're just praying Votto doesn't retire with that. Yeah, he, he just he just did a video thanking the Reds. So it seems like he wants to play. He didn't announce his retirement. So obviously a team has to sign him. But I think it was up to him. He's playing next year. So. Well, let's move from that and let's talk about a triple play podcast favorite, Davis Schneider, who last year hit 276, 404, 603, eight homers, 20 RBIs, and one steal. Over his first 15 games, this was a 62 plate appearance sample. He had six home runs, 21 hits, 15 RBIs, 10 walks to 15 strikeouts, hit over 400 with a 1379 OPS, a 1.6 F war. And had, uh, he was the first player to have that type of OPS, uh, through his first 15 games, a 1358 OPS through his first 20 games. Uh, the best in the modern era, minimum 70 plate appearances. After this crazy start though, he had a nine game hitless streak, which really plummeted his numbers. He didn't play every day. He did on the last day of the season have a double and two walks. So, if you want to say he ended the year on a somewhat better note, but David Schneider looked like from someone who's going to be a slam dunk next year to really struggling down the stretch to kind of where we're, we're not sure where we're at with him right now. So Elsie, where do you see David Schneider being next year? Does he slot in the lineup every day? And is he someone that can contribute for your fantasy team? Um, I think that uh, I'm, I'm concerned whether he slots into that Toronto lineup next year. I think he's currently projected as a starting second baseman. But you saw that, you know, the Jekyll and Hyde performance that you just laid out there so well. You know, the K's the K's were bad. His zone contact rate was 68%, which is worse than Javi Baez levels type of zone contact, worse than Joey Gallo level zone contact. But the hot streaks are legit. I mean, I'm trying to pull out my personal biases because I always I picked him up after he went hot and got his September numbers <laughs> on my team. So, uh, but uh, he's, he, he was so bad in, in September and October that, uh, 
I have a hard time thinking that Toronto's not going to be going into the season hoping to find something more consistent at second base. He is right now going ADP 430. So he's, I mean, he's obviously somebody that's not, you don't have to spend a lot to take a chance on him, especially if he is the starting second baseman for one of the better offenses in baseball here, Vinny. David Schneider was surprisingly one of the few players that you had not known much about. I, I feel like you're as in tune to not even just young players, but just all baseball players in general. Uh, so what are your thoughts just digging into him a little bit? Yeah, David Snyder is one of these cases where looking at stats, that's not the end-all, be-all. Like, There's underlying metrics that people like me and people that do this professionally don't see. Like, if I looked over his stats today, like, if you were to tell me David Snyder did what he did this year after looking at his minor league stats from before this year, I'd tell you you're crazy. There's no way. There's no way the 28th round pick from 2017 is absolutely blowing up the ALS on top of having an 80 grade mustache. That thing is gnarly. Yes, it is. But yeah, like it's kind of weird because he did have this breakout, but it's the the big question mark is the commitment by the Blue Jays. That's going to be the big, you know, telltale sign with him is. Are they going to go out and get a second baseman, or do they believe so much in this this little sample size that they're going to keep him? Like, if we're looking at data, like fifty two percent fly ball rate is okay. That's a little sketchy. The fifty point seven percent pull rate is also sketchy, but a seventeen point eight point uh, eight percent barrel rate and a three sixty nine BABIP is pretty you know mind boggling for this guy who before last year was a sub two thirty minor league hitter. So he's, you know, someone to monitor and probably maybe stash away on your bench until we get like a definitive answer, which I don't think we'll get that until potentially a couple weeks into spring training. But the little breakout sample size is something to really not overthink because he showed some stuff that, um, oh my God, I'm losing my, losing my train of thought, but it's it's not a fluke. Like it's it's not stats that would say it's a fluke. Like he did struggle, but that's him coming. That's the league figuring him out. So it's mm-hmm. we don't really know yet. We have to see more small sample size. But it's very interesting as someone to monitor. Yeah, Davis Snyder will be someone to keep an eye on. Again, the ADP right now is pretty good. So if you do decide to take a chance on him if you're drafting right now, uh, if he doesn't end up being much, or you know it looks like he was more in September not going to cost you as much as some of the other players we're talking about tonight. The next player is somebody that plays for one of the more high-profile teams in baseball, and he even looked like he was going to be the one of the breakout players this year, and that's rookie James Outman of the Los Angeles Dodgers, who batted 248, 353, 437, 23 homers, 70 RBIs. You look at those numbers with the 16 stolen bases, and those season-long numbers for a rookie are pretty solid. He was even a Rookie of the Year finalist for this year, which, as Vinny was scoffing at before the show, was a joke that they even had other finalists outside of Corbin Carroll. But he also won Rookie of the Month in April. He has a lot of accolades for this year. Um, he hit two eighty nine in April with a nine sixty six OPS. But after that torrid start to the year, he followed that up with a five fifty one OPS over 166 plate appearances in May and June. 
and then an 852 OPS over 292 plate appearances the rest of the season. Uh, he plays an elite center field, which is not really good for fantasy, but that just how good he is in center field. If you want to look at how his amazing his defensive metrics are, they are really good. That will keep his bat in the lineup. But he had a 343 BABIP this year, which I think also shows there is some regression coming. But he does have speed. The, t- the 16 stolen bases show that. He does have power. 23 homers show that. And base running is also something that comes in handy uh, with the uh, him to score some runs here. His hard contact numbers are never going to be great. Uh, 39.9% um, hard hit percentage was 44th percentile of all hitters this year. And I think the biggest issue with him ultimately is going to be his strikeout rate. 31.9% one of the worst in all of baseball, and he was a liability against left-handed pitching. A 665 OPS over 154 plate appearances against lefties, and that's compared to an 836 OPS against righties this year. So a lot of holes in his game, a lot of inconsistencies overall, but James Altman, when the season was said and done, was a solid contributor if you started him the whole year in fantasy. Vinny, James Altman, somebody that I think depending on maybe the cost could be worth someone looking at. He talked about really making some changes when he was struggling in the middle of the season. And it seems like it really helped down the stretch here. He was said he was, he stopped being as aggressive and just swinging at everything and being a little bit more selective, which seemed like it helped his batting average, obviously. But what are your thoughts here on James Altman? Never really been a big fan of James Altman. You know, the most tantalizing thing about him is pretty much the power-speed combo. Like, he easily could be a 2020 guy, and that's pretty much it. I don't think he ever, you know, bats above, like, 260, maybe 255. Like, he should be viewed like the same category as, like, a Harrison Bader or, like, a Tyler O'Neill. Like, he's good defensively. The power's there. The speed's there. But then, if we're talking about everything else, liability. Yeah. You know, the advantage with him right now is that there's really no one pressuring him for a spot in that outfield with LA unless they start making some big deals in the offseason it's it's pretty much he's holding it down there so I mean if he's going late enough yeah I'll take a shot on him but he's not the type of player that I would personally target his ADP right now is 184 he's going around Isak Paredes Dalton Varsho Jonathan India Jackson Holiday's going in this range Nolan Gorman those are the type of hitters that you are picking between. And I have to be honest with you, Vinny, I probably, I think I, he'd be one of those guys I might fade with those type of guys around him. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, especially with Paredes and Gorman there. I don't know why Jackson Holly's that high yet. We haven't really heard a definitive answer on if he's going to be up early this year. That's very early. So I would take him over Jackson Holiday. But yeah, like I like the other names around him. Elsie, James Altman, are you in or are you Altman? Um, I was surprised at uh, at how much I I liked what I saw when I started to dig into him. But the one thing that uh, we touched on here was uh, that K rate, that thirty two percent K rate, backed up. That's backed up with that seventy five percent, well below average zone contact rate. Um, I, you know, I like his defense. I like that the uh, Dodgers stuck with him. They gave him the plate appearances all season. I like the power speed. 
Um, the comp to Tyler O'Neill is, is I think, a very good comp. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, in, 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 in a certain type of construction, he could be very valuable. On that Dodgers uh, team last season, he scored 86 runs. He had 70 RBIs. It's 156 runs plus RBIs. That is, an, that is a very good runs plus RBIs uh, total. And it's all lineup dependent. So, you know, with with someone like Outman, you're going to be looking at he hit 248. He could hit 225. Uh, but with that elite defense, that might come with 550 plate appearances, 150 runs plus RBIs plus 2020. I mean, it's not perfect, but uh, it's better than Dalton Varsho. That's for sure. I wouldn't. I would take him over Dalton Varsho. I don't know why Varsho's. You know, being looked at the way he is after how disappointing he was last season. But, he's not catcher uh, eligible anymore. He's not, yeah, he's not catcher eligible anymore. Um, but I like I like what he gives you. I'd like to see it a little bit cheaper, but uh, you're not going to get power speed like that for cheaper. It's just that it, can you stomach that that uh, that batting average? Can you stomach the the swinging strikes? Uh, it's tough. I I, I liked I like the lineup that he's in uh, with his skills. If he was in a, on a worse team, I, I'd, I'd be fading him pretty hard, much harder than, than that. But I like, I like the fact that he's, I think he's going to give you those runs plus RBIs. That lineup's going to produce. James Altman will be somebody that's kind of, I feel like he'll be one of those hard, you're in or you're out on him. Like you'll, you'll see people bring him up like, Nope, strikeout rate was horrible. I don't believe in this change, this change completely out of him in the top 200 or the people are like, Hey, like, I need power and speed. I think that that's something that he'll consistently give. I don't mind taking him as my fourth or fifth outfielder and calling it a day. So I'm sure there'll be a lot more coming with him this off season. Uh, let's go to the next player here. Our only catcher on the list here. And that's Luis Campusano of the San Diego Padres. 319, 356, 491, triple slash. Seven homers and 30 RBIs. Uh, the second time I'm going to shout out Eric Cross for a stat that he put out about him. Him and Gabby Moreno, Gabriel Moreno, were the only two catchers last year with a Z-contact rate above 90% and a hard hit rate above 40%. So him and, and Gabriel Moreno were the only two that had those type of numbers, which is obviously incredibly good to have those type two things together. But let's not confuse who Luis Campusano is. He's a strictly offensive catcher at this point in his career. He's thrown out only one base runner in 30 stolen base attempts. Uh, and that's uh, last season. And that's pretty bad. He's one for 42 lifetime and cost steals just in general. So he's not someone throwing out runners. So if he's as bad as in the lineup or if he's in the lineup, it's because of his hitting. He put up an 847 OPS in 49 games, which is very good for a catcher. But he's somebody that looks like the power is for real. He maintained a high average by shortening up and putting balls in play with two strikes. And he really improved last season compared to his 2022 numbers. He cut his K rate down 10%. His chase rate went down 15%. His whiff rate went down 13%. Swinging strike rate was cut in half. His uh, contact rate overall went up 13%. And his Z contact went up 6%. He was plus 300 batting average in all three pitch types he faced. He just seems like with the, like if everything plays out, that he would be a top 10 catcher next season. Uh, so Elsie is, is 
Campusano is getting the playing time. Is he a top 10 catcher in your eyes? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty easy call. And it's the, it, it is the playing time, which is going to, it's that defense you talked about, which would be the, the thing that would not get him those plate appearances. I love him. I love the batting average. I love the zone contact. I love the fact that he pulls the ball a lot and he pulls it for power. Um, I think that he's the type of, he could be 270, 20 home runs next season. But if he's not getting 500 plate appearances, he's not going to be getting the type of, uh, the type of runs and RBIs that you'll need to be like a top five, top four, top three catcher. If he's getting the plate appearances, I think he's easily a top 10 catcher. He's going well outside of that top 10 catches. I think he's a very good value where he's going right now, uh, for, for team construction. But, um, yeah, that, that one for 42. I ha- unless they start giving him some DH, I have a hard time seeing him getting to the plate appearances that I'd like to see him get to. It did help that Blake Snell and one other Padres pitcher, which I top of my head I forgot, both preferred him catching for them. Uh, obviously, Blake Snell's a free agent, so that he might not have that say. But there were a couple pitchers that actually liked pitching to him, and like you know how certain pitchers like pitching to certain catchers. So if if that develops where they have good chemistry he could keep his bat in the lineup but uh you know he was working with uh, gary sanchez last year it could be one of those things where maybe he catches you know three days dhs like three days and maybe has or you know something like that maybe mix in some first base here and there who knows uh but i think if he's hitting like that they're gonna find ways to get his bat in the line even if it's not a catcher uh, it's just he was too good last year and as you had mentioned lc the value there is there for him. He's the catcher 17 right now going at like 217. So if you're really waiting on a catcher, he's a great target as a second catcher. He's absolutely dynamite, I think. And again, if he just has to hit somewhat near what he was hitting this year and they'll find ways to keep his bat in the lineup at DH first base, whatever the, the it may be. What are your thoughts on Luis Campusano, Vinny? Campusano really seems like a better version of Alejandro Kirk. If he does convert to a DH role, I would like to see him take some run at first base, to be honest, but I don't think we'll see that happen. But yeah, the biggest concern is that the Padres brass, you know, they need, uh, you know, new manager might look at him and be like, Hey, let's go get a veteran, you know, catcher to, you know, to pair with him. And then we're talking about potentially his bats cut in half. Like, there's so many situations where this could go very wrong for Campesano, which scares me away. But you cannot deny the bat at all. Like, the bat is one of the best you'll find at the catching position. It's just, yeah, there's too much uncertainty with him that probably scares me away. Like, if that goes away and, you know, we can get a you know confirmation that, that he's their guy or he's going to play some different roles then yeah, I'm 100% bought in. But right now, there's too much uncertainty and I'm probably going to stay away. Even at the catcher 17? Yeah, I would... At catcher 17, maybe not. But I'm just saying, once pe- people are going to start looking into him and see this bat, and they're going to try and play a narrative that he's going to be their everyday catcher, and then something's going to happen and it's going to fall off the rails, they're going to go sign so-and-so. And then it, there's too many uncertainties for me. But 17, I would go. But I believe... I'm confident that he'll probably start rising up he's already rising i think he's rising now he was 
as we were talking about, David and I were talking before the show, I had the first nine drafts. He was being at like two, 240, 250. So he's up, you know, solid 20 picks right now already in the past, you know, nine, nine drafts have made the average jump up 20 picks. So, so I think he is, he is starting to rise. Um, I, the potential is, is so juicy. But now the reason, one of the reasons that he's rising is because you're, you're looking at 50 team draft and holds. You're getting four, five, four catchers in these teams. So mm-hmm. if he, if he flames out a little bit, you're not, you're not quite holding, holding the bag without, without any value. Yeah. And we'll see where his value goes. But hopefully if he hits anywhere like he did last year, the Potters will keep his bat in the lineup and you'll get the benefit of him being catcher but he might not play full-on catcher all season. So we'll see how that plays out there. This next player burned a lot of people this year, uh, including myself, who took him in my lottery ticket at the beginning of the year, which if you haven't done it, put $5 down, bet all six award winners, $5 pays out like three hundred grand. So it's a fun way to uh, just put a nice little ticket out there. He was This was my pick for NL Rookie of the Year, Jordan Walker. A 276, 342, 445, triple slash, 16 homers, 51 RBIs, and seven stolen bases. Got off to a torrid start in spring training, a 956 OPS in his first 16 games, and he had a multi-homer game in spring training. Opens his MLB career with a 12-game uh, hitting streak, 20 hits in his first 20 games. Everything kind of looks pretty good, but the power wasn't really much there or wasn't really drawing walks. And then he posted just a 602 OPS over that time. He struggled, went to AAA, had a red hot 10 game stretch down there, got called back up and really seemed like he kind of figured things out. During Walker's first 20 games, he only had five extra base hits, a 377 slugging percentage, 60% ground ball rate. Then he gained kind of, uh, he was able to kind of sit back more, was really able to get his bat to come through the zone to get extra power. Again, he talks about, if you want to look it up, uh, anybody that's listening, he goes through and talks about how he was able to gain more power in his swing, working with the coaches down at AAA Memphis and just kind of being able to uh, to kind of angle, uh, basically raise, raise, his, uh, range, raise his launch angle, if I could speak. So, uh, over his last 30 games, that really showed a 308, 385, 48 triple slash, 154 WRC plus, one or a 21.5% K rate. Steamer projects him for 20 run homers next season, but he really looks like he kind of found his stride down the stretch here, Vinny. Jordan Walker was a, uh, a name we were all excited about, very underwhelming for most of the year. Do we get the Jordan Walker this coming year that we were hoping we got all last season? Yeah, I think so. But it's kind of funny. We're talking about like Jordan Walker being underwhelming, but still put up like a 276 average with home runs and decent amount of speed. But yeah, I think this is the year that we put it all together, especially with Walker. You know, the Cardinals kind of handled him a little weird to start the season, which if we're talking about the mental side of the game, that could really put a toll on a young guy. Like there was the... The talk out of camp was, oh, he's going to break camp. He's, you know, the future of the franchise. He's going to lead us to, can't be doing that for the kid. You know, it's, it, it plays a toll on him. But he can't, he went down, did his time in the, in uh, the trip and triple A and then came back up and was a completely different player. Like they improved power, 
you know, his hard hit. Like we're talking about 42.5% hard hit rate and a max EV of 114.3. Like the power is there. This is a special bat. It's going to take time to mature. It's going to take time to figure it out. But I think this is, I think the second year breakout is where we really see Jordan Walker really blow up because he's going to have to take on a very lackluster uh, Cardinals team that's getting very old. He's going to have to start taking the reins here. But yeah, yeah it, I mean, you're right there. The Cardinals were probably the, is it fair to say they were the most underwhelming team in baseball last year? Maybe them or the Mets? Yeah, I, w- I would say it was, I'd probably say it's the Cardinals doing, look at that roster. You're talking about Arenado and Goldschmidt, and you guys almost finished last in the division. There, he's right now, he's ranked 118 ADP. So plenty of people are also buying this. There's a lot of Spencer Torkelson, Tanner Bybee, uh, Cedric Mullins, Seiya Suzuki. There are a lot of good players in this range. So you are paying up for potentially the bounce. You want to put bounce back in quotes here. Like you said, Vinny, not a horrible year overall. Elsie, Jordan Walker, at that price, are you in or are you out? I'm in. I'm in. I, I, write, I wrote in my notes, wouldn't be surprised if he blows up next year. And if he doesn't blow up, if he gives you what he gave last season, just over more plate appearances, it's worth that draft pick anyways, I think. He's, uh, I mean, it's basically what Seiya Suzuki did last year. So um, I think the potential for more power is there. I think we could be looking at a 270, 280, close to 30 home runs. Um, I really like him. And uh, and the potential, the, the that 80 grade power is in his bat. He needs to pull the ball more than he did last season. He really sprayed the ball around. Um, he starts pulling it. Then that power is just going to start showing up in, in in big numbers. I really like where he's going. He's got that good zone contact. Doesn't strike out a lot. Um, yeah, I I think I think he's going to be a, a breakout next year. Yeah, someone that's going to be very fun to draft. And we will close out this segment now with our last player we're going to talk about tonight, Noel V. Marte, who you remember the longtime Seattle Mariner prospect traded in the Luis Castillo trade, really underwhelmed in his first part in the minor leagues with Cincinnati Reds, but he got called up for the last 35 games of the year starting August 19th. From that point, 316, 366, 456 triple slash with three home runs, 15 RBIs, six stolen bases. Probably something that's going to hit at the bottom of that loaded Cincinnati Reds lineup, but Really kind of came into his own there. The, the, as we mentioned, the lineup's exciting. There's a lot of good players there. Their counting stats should be there. They're in the, arguably the best ballpark in baseball. And he's going to be somebody that's kind of more maybe flying under the radar because you have Christian Encarnacion Strand and Ellie De La Cruz. And you know Jonathan India has been producing for them. Matt McClain, obviously. So he could be one that falls through the cracks that maybe could give you some nice numbers here, Vinny. What do you think about Noel V. Marte for 2024? I'll say right now, out of those names you listed, I'm targeting Marte over all those other guys. Just because what he did in the short sample size, pretty mind-boggling. We're talking about 40% pull rate, a 20% oppo rate. How about a max AV of 115.6? This is the type of bat that's going to be overlooked because of the players around him that I think is going to excel, or if not explode, after a full season, like 
the track record with Marte was always he was, you know, coming out of the uh, J uh, 15 class of like 19 or whatever. When he was just starting with the Mariners, he was too small to play shortstop. It was uh, too small this, too small this. We go into 2022-ish, he's too big. He's too slow to play shortstop. He's put on so much weight and all this, you know, muscle. They move him to third base. They tweak with his, um, they tweak with his bat path. They tweak with his, uh, I can't think of, I can't think of the term, but his launch angle. They mess with his launch angle, and we're looking at a completely different hitter now. We're looking at big power, big contact, and he plays a solid third base. Like I was watching a lot of video today. I came up with a comp of, be ready for this if you've been around for a while. Baseball, Juan Uribe. He reminds me so much mm-hmm. of Juan Uribe that. It's almost scary. Like he's very good making solid hard contact. Well, while playing a solid third base and being bigger for the position, this is a kid that can easily jump up, uh, you know, 150 spots, 200 spots. Come after a breakout season extra, like we could be looking at him similar to what we're looking at, like I don't like I like a Casas or someone like that. Like he has the tools to do it, and I think he's being overlooked. And this is the guy. Like you mentioned, he's probably the last of all the studs going. He's going on the ADP right now of pick 156. So, again, way after Ellie De La Cruz, way after Matt McClain, uh, not way after Christian Encarnacion, strand about 20-ish picks difference. But, yeah, you're getting the best value of, again, a loaded lineup. So I'm, I'm right there with you, Vin. I think, I'll, And he's plays third base, which is normally also a very shallow position in general to draft. So there's a lot going for him there. Elsie, do you differ on any part of this? Do you are you gonna be in on Marte or are you out? I'm in on him. He's got good speed. Uh so you know that value at third base. I think he's only gonna be a third baseman next year because um because he didn't play he played thirty games at third and only four games at short once he got to the bigs. So I think he's probably only third base eligible, which is fine with me. I think he's a fine third baseman or even even more solid if you can get him as your CI. Gives you decent speed. I'm thinking he's going double-digit steals next season. Could touch 20 home runs, but I like that batting average. 85% zone contact rate. Uh, produced that batting average of over what, about 316 is what he hit uh, in his in his small sample up mm-hmm. in the bigs. You know, I think he could easily go 280 with decent pop, decent speed in a very good lineup. I really like where he's going. I think that it's the type of all-around profile that uh, that third base does not produce very much of. So I think he's a nice uh, he's a nice value pick there, and he gives you a different type of profile profile than you're usually getting. Yeah, Noel Marte is someone that I think we're all in on. I think we're pretty much in lockstep with a lot of the guys we've talked about tonight, and they will be obviously this is within a few weeks after the World Series, so I'm sure that these guys will probably have their ADPs rise over the next couple months. So if you are doing drafts now, these are guys that we all agree. For the most part, try to get them where they're at now because it's only going to get harder to draft them where they're at. But great values and some guys that you should consider uh, for your redraft leagues next year. And if you have dynasty questions, of course, then we will always answer those too. But I think through dynasty purposes, a lot of these guys are also... Uh, we're kind of holding and looking to uh, to figure out what we're going to do with that at another time. But Doc is actually popping in the room because we are at that part of the show. 
We are at the game of the week. So Doc was going to take the week off, but it was his week to do the game. So he's popping in to give us all a challenge here. And we had so much fun last week doing Triple Plays Pictionary that we're going to do it again this week where we're going to flash pictures on the board of old school players. And it's going to be our job to figure out who can guess them. Uh, so if you are listening to the podcast at about the 5630 mark, you will be able to play along on YouTube if you would like. So, Eric, you want to take it away? Yeah. Uh, you know, don't skip out on my week of game. That's uh, the unwritten rule of triple play fantasy. So, similar to previous weeks, I'm going to put a pitcher on the board. They had at least one relevant season. Um, and how it's going to work is you guys are going to DM me your answer. And then we will take turns going. I have 10 players and no tiebreakers because I don't think that we're going to have a tiebreaker. I had to retire from this game because I was too good. So, uh, okay. Okay. Dude, come on. It's true. So first guy. Oh, wow. That's not who I think it is. He played for the Rockies. You want me to throw this in private chat or? Yeah, send me a DM. That is not who I think it is, is it? I'll be shocked. I don't know. We'll see. That looks to be 100% him. All right. I'm pretty sure this is him, but I don't remember him playing for this. Just send me it already, David. I'm so. Okay. I I sent it to you. Okay. That literally looks just like him. Don't put it in the. Whoever put it in the private chat. That was me. I don't hold on. I'm trying to figure out how to send it yeah. to you. How do I send it to you? Hold on. Uh, Twitter DM. Oh, yeah. Twitter DM. I, I, I asked private chat. Oh, I gotcha. All right. So, uh, all answers are in, David. I'm going to start with you. I said Matt Garza. Vinny? I said Garza. And Art? Art's on mute. <laughs> He's so shooting. It's, it's not Garza, uh, but I, I don't know who it is. I put Jason Isringhausen. All right, so they all are starting pitchers, uh, but you none of you got it right. Uh, David, Matt Garza was on the podcast. It's a shame you don't know what he looks like. This is Jason Hamill. Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Man. I oh. saw the beard. I saw the beard. and Yeah. yeah, yeah mostly mostly known for his, uh, his Cub days. We have uh, Beverly Wells playing. or. Uh, very well played along. Jeff, that's a better guess than me. I yeah. never noticed how much he looks like, man. Beverly, welcome to the oh. pod. All right. Number two. Oh, my God. I know him. Holy moly. These are all starting pitchers. All starting pitchers. Starting pitchers? Yep. This is whack, dude. I know who he is. This is <laughs> this is making me mad. Holy moly. Um gosh, you know what? I'm gonna hate this. I'm gonna enjoy this game for the rest of the time just because of David's commentary. Yeah, like I literally know this dude. I, I can't think of the name. I, I know the face. Send me a name. Um, come on. It's two out of ten. We're ticking down. I'm rooting for Beverly in this game. I know That's this isn't right, for. but I know this isn't right, but I'm gonna put it anyway. 
this this actually hurts because I like me and Vinny both know that face. All right, Vinny, waiting on yours. I think I'm completely wrong, but I think you're picking All more right. irrelevant. All answers are in, Vinny. Did. Your guy, uh, Glendon Rush, and it's not Art. I put Bud Norris. David, I put Brad Penny. It is Brad Penny. Nice. Oh, no, I didn't know he played for the Tigers. Yep, he played like two seasons for the Tigers. Nice. So David, yeah, yeah. David winning so far. All right, we're third. back. That's a really like hard picture to tell. All right, you know what? I'll find another. We'll. I'll come back to him then, and I'll have. Okay. This is number four. Bro, oh your pictures goodness. are what? Your your pictures are horrible. <laughs> This is this is a fine picture. You can tell who it yeah, is, and it's also yes. an iconic moment. Oh yeah, yeah, I can see with the blood. Well, you took it off. Oh man, I tried to make this an easy one. I think I know who that is. Because now I remember the incident. That's a bad cut. He's a happy man, I think, right now. Yeah. Very, very All right, let's start getting the answers, and I got David's. Once they're all in, I also uh, Beverly submitted her answer as well. All right, just waiting on you, Vinny. I just I sent it on Twitter, but go ahead. I'll just say them through the thing. All right, Art, you're first. Um, I don't know who it is. Beverly Boof. says Chris Young. Boof Bonzer. It's gonna get be right one of these days. <laughs> Vin, uh, David. I said Chris Young. Vinny. It's Chris Young. Uh, Vinny, I actually did not get your Chris Young, but I believe you. All right, so. that the, the six foot ten Chris Young. The six foot ten Chris Young, Rangers uh, GM, who is only forty four but looks extremely old and washed. Nice job, Beverly. That was a good pull. Yeah, all if right, I'm so not they, mistaken, that same season, him and Derek Lee got into a nice brawl in Wrigley. They did. That's two big boys. Yeah. Yep. It was a nice trip down memory lane. But shout out Derek Lee, almost won the triple crown that one year. Let's go to number five. Ugh. I think I know who that is. I think. I know David can't go without making a noise once. <laughs> Eric, if I get this, I'm God. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm God. I'm just impressed if I get it. The name just like flashed to me in a pant. Like, put it All up, right. put the picture up again so Beverly can get it. All right. Uh... Oh man, I think Beverly got it. Did I get the wrong one? She's Art. so white. Or, uh, oh my Vinny. god! It's oh my god. He played with Michael Pelfrey. Oh my god. Michael um... Pelfrey, nice ball. Nice. That name. was who I. That was who I typed in. Yes, yeah, Michael Pelfrey was thirty-four. 
that All right, I'll give you 10, 10 seconds, Vinny. Um, his last name, oh, my God. Six, five, four, three. Is it Jack? Jack Maine? Jack Maine? Incorrect, John Maine. Oh, I, oh my God. I David knew it. said Mike Pelfrey and Art said Jason Isringhausen. Is I'm going to get one of these right. Oh, you know, Beverly Isringhausen is not a game, Art. Beverly is hip with that. So also, Beverly's got two. I've got two. Vinny's Beverly's got, got one. Three, I couldn't I remember his first name. No, because Beverly said uh, Jeff Hoffman for the first one. Okay, well, there have been four. Yes, Chris Young and John Maine. Uh, Chris Young, John Maine. Beverly wasn't there for the first. Okay, that's what it was, yeah. Because she was for the guards, or for uh, Brad Beverly's killing it. All right, number six. He's the fifth member of the pod tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, that face. This is, hold on. David's internal dialogue each time. This is generally making me mad. Uh, this is actually the first one I legit have no clue. <laughs> Beverly said Beverly said no clue too. <laughs> oh, we thought she stopped her too. Uh He's the type of guy who you don't answer the door when you see him. <laughs> that's 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 who this is. You see you see him knocking. You're like, don't open the door. If you told me he was a porn star, I'd believe you. <laughs> oh, he's sick. What? Look at I his face. Make, I would make a joke like that. Yeah. All right. Uh, I don't have any answers. I'm, I'm sending yet. mine now. I don't have any in yet. I'm sending mine. What? <laughs> I don't know. This is. I know this is wrong. All right, Vinny and Art, waiting on you guys. I know this is wrong. You definitely picked harder players than I did last yeah. week. I thought he was gonna pick like. I don't know. Maybe I overestimated uh, my ability here. I definitely picked. All right, Vinny. I haven't gotten yours yet. Uh, Jeff Supon, but it's not Jeff Supon. It is close though. Um. David, who'd you say? The Diamond Stone. <laughs> and Art. I wrote Wade Miley, although I know it's not Wade Miley. It's not Wade Miley. It's Chris Capuano. Oh. That's what, looked, that's what he looked like? I don't even remember him looking like that. Better known for his time on the on the race. Yeah. I don't remember him looking like that. All right. Hopefully this is an easier that's one. That's such a random one, though. Chris Capuano. He had a, good, had a couple good seasons. He did. That's yeah. true. I know. I'm pretty sure I know who this is. This is an easier one. Is it? I think David got it. Is it just is it starting pitchers and relievers, or just? No, it's just starters. Okay, so I don't know it then. Hold on. I was gonna guess Brian Fuentes. Wah, wah. Um. Okay, I have a guess. Hard. Yeah, I I think I'm thinking way too back. That's my problem. I I literally thought it was Brian Fuentes until it was uh. All right, Vinny, waiting on you. All right, you can go. I'll say my loud. All right. Go ahead, Vinny. Is it Abaldo Jimenez? I don't think it is. Nope. No, I'm thinking like a longer face. 
I said Kyle Loesch. Art. I feel like you were closest. Julius Chassin. Jair Jurgens. Oh. oh. Uh, if you put, if you would put that with a Braves, Braves uniform, uniform, I yeah. would have got it. I would have got it. Yeah, yeah, that would be too easy. Wow. But I, I guess I overestimated my ability in this game. Wow. You, you're putting like ones that are hard for you, and you're like a savant at this. You're like Rain Man at people's faces. Oh, oh Art, you're the Art, you're the only one that did it both weeks. Was mine or my players easier? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so I, I'm not crazy here. I'm like, All right, I think the last are going to be easy, though. David is still winning <laughs> two to one. I only have two? Yeah. All right, we have four oh, I, left. Anyway. Oh, I know who that is. Let's go. I know who that is. I know a lot of old White Sox players. I'll be disappointed if this one's wrong. Because I'm pretty, I, I feel like I'm going first each time without DMing me. Yeah, just I, I DM'd you on Triple Play and the other one, but it just didn't go through. Is it John Danks? It is John Danks. Yeah. Who I put as well. That's who David put and Art. I put John World, Series, World Series hero John Garland. All right. I like John Garland. John too. Danks was like the face of the White Sox for two years when they were absolutely atrocious. That yep. Was, he's a good pitcher. I, I didn't know what he looked like. That was the first good one you put for a yeah. while. Thank you, thank you. Uh, by the way, John Main is uh is works at a Ford uh car dealership in North Carolina. How'd you know that? Uh, when I typed him in, it shows uh his Facebook. He's a manager there now. Are you sure it's the same John Main? It is still the same John Main. We should go good visit him. him. Good for him. I, I like, maybe I will when I'm in North Carolina. Yeah, you should. I'll be disappointed if you don't. He's this on guy, T.J. Wilson. Trip. Oh, um, oh, is okay. Maybe I think I, I think I know Maybe it is. Do. I'm not, oh, I'm no longer confident in any of my answers now. All right, and by the way, I think the Chris Young one was a pretty easy one. No, that, that was, that Chris was Young, one. Chris Young was good. I think Brad Penny was decent. John Main wasn't even bad. I like the John Main was fair. I, I thought y'all would know what Chris Capuano looked like. That was a that was a really bad poll. I think you guys just didn't follow baseball as close. All right, I got Art and David's answers. Vinny, if you want to uh, say it out here, is that Ryan Vogelson? It is Ryan Vogelson. That was good, Vinny. I said Tip Hudson, but I was like, damn. Yeah, I I thought I was gonna butcher his first name. I couldn't remember if it was Ryan or Brian, so I was like, ah. I wrote Derek. I wrote Derek Rodriguez. But I, I knew that was wrong. Good old D-Rod. All right, we got two pitchers left. And I'll give, you a hint. I'll give you a hint for the last two. These are the teams that you would probably know them from. Okay, that'll help. Okay. Vinny and I are tied right now. Is it too blurry? No. Yeah, it's a little... All right, let me go to the other one then. This is number three that we were originally supposed to have. Wait, you, actually, weren't that's you gonna put a, Weren't you going to put... Oh, okay. You just, this is a new photo. That's any better. I'd go the other one. <laughs> and the timeline gives it away. Um, Florida Marlins. Oh, crap. Uh, I like the other picture better. Okay. Oh, my God. Looks like he's farting. <laughs> um, God. Oh, I know. Oh, you know what? I do know who that is. He was a cub. Oh, then he gave me a hint. Okay, hold on. 
Was he Vinny? Yeah, he was. I guess, I guess we'll see. Uh, I'm pretty confident on this one. Um. Oh wait, hold on. I, I'm gonna have my I have my guess. What's his, what's his first name? Uh, oh, okay, I got it. All I don't right. think I don't think this is right, but are you even gonna send in a guess at this point? I don't know who that is. I have no <laughs> idea. All right, Vinny. Is it Chris Volstead? It is Chris Volstead. He's yeah. good call, Vinny. He was like our big free agent signing in like 2011. I would have never. I said Josh Johnson. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. All right. Well, Vinny, you're up by one going into our final one. You guys want a hint on this one or no? I've never been known to be scared from a hint. Vinny, do you want a hint? Yeah, I'll take a hint. Why not? His best season was with the Rangers. Those are the teams. That's the only team he played for. And in 2012, he went 18 and 11 with a 3.29 ERA and was eighth in the Cy Young rating. That's what I I feel like 18 and 11. It's a good season. Finished for Cy Young voting. He played a total of eight years. Can you put his picture up again? All with the Rangers. All with the Rangers. All with the Rangers. Makes me cheese my answer. Um, or just stun everybody with this one. This is. This is man. Yeah, really separates the men from the boys. You're gonna say the name, and I'm like, I wasn't even that mad. I didn't get Chris Volstead. Now you're or, a man, or Ryan Vogelson. I hope this one doesn't make me mad. I, I literally have no idea. Um, I'm trying to remember even a Texas pitcher from ten years ago. All right, well, it, I guess I'll have an idea if I do this game again of where to reference from. I, I've taken the I, L on it. I don't even have a guess for you. Vinny, do you have a guess? Is it Mark Lowe? Matt Harrison. Oh! oh I don't. Even, I barely even remember him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. A, I remember when he got drafted. I think I think he went to Rice University, if I'm not mistaken. I remember when he got yeah. drafted. I put Derek Holland. Because, but I think Derek Holland played with the Angels after playing with the Rangers. So when you said he only played... The Rangers. I think he was traded for Cole Hamels, if I'm not mistaken, back in right? 2015. Matt oh. Harrison. I think did he play for Rice? I mean, David, you got three out of ten, so it's not like it was incredibly challenging. That was definitely not to what yeah. it should have been my standard. Alright, well, this is I know this for next time. You gotta pick the right set of players there, Doc. There's an art to it. I will, you know what? My, like I said, my, I, I thought I was like, Ben Sheets, that is way too easy. I can't believe David would even throw ben something like Sheets. that. All ben 10 of these are going to be challenging, but. They were if, if all challenging, love, yes. Sure. They, they were, they, these, there are a few layups, but I would say for the most part. I mean, do you want an easy game? No. That's just, that's just, that's just, that's just, that's just, that's just a game pull is pretty good. I'll, I'll give you that one. 
Did Beverly win? Beverly tapped out because yeah. the way were too difficult. Eric, <laughs> Eric made them too hard. Well, if you guys want to play again about the 56 minute mark on YouTube, 5630, you can go ahead and follow along. I believe the high score was four, right? Four from Vinny. Nice job, Vinny. Yeah, so Vinny got four out of the ten. See if you can do better than Vinny and follow along on our YouTube. And while you're there, please like and subscribe to the channel if you are not already. There's tons of great content. There's basketball content. There is football content, baseball content. There's also prospect content. Vinny, I believe you guys, are you guys recording this week or next yeah. week? Yeah, this week? recording this week, yeah. So there'll be some more minor league baseball talk as well. So please make sure you are, are part of the Triple Play Fantasy family. Check us out on YouTube or wherever you find your podcast. But for Doc, for a little cheesecake, for Vinny, I'm D. Mendy. We're going to make like a bread truck and we're going to haul these buns. Talk to you guys next week.